The following program is brought to you by Whiteman TV and Bruce Telecom. Baseball Talk is brought to you by Joy for Sports, 435 Durham Street East in Walkerton, for all your sports needs. Welcome to Baseball Talk, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, another beautiful, sunshiny day here in Hanover, Ontario. Uh, luckily, we've got some rain, and me and Steve Fitzsimmons are about to rain some conversation about baseball all over you, along with our capable uh, friend, Autumn Oliveira, who's uh, running the booth and is going to chip in some uh, commentary as well. Uh, our first segment for today on Baseball Talk, uh, we're going to uh, talk about rookies and prospects. Uh, where we're basically picking out uh, some players on the way up, hopefully on the way up, that we uh, think have interesting potential or interesting backstory or a combination thereof. And I think uh, Steve is going to kick things off. Thank you, Andy. And I think uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't start with uh, a little bit of hope for Toronto Blue Jays fans. And uh, this particular guy has a tremendous amount of talent. He's a star in the making. And, uh, you know, he's a third baseman, but I don't think that's a position he's necessarily going to play at the major leagues. And that being Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and uh, Adam's going to throw a graphic up for our TV viewers, but, uh, you know, obviously he's the son of former all-star Vlad Guerrero for the the, uh, Montreal Expos and other teams. But, uh, you know, he signed for $3.9 million originally as a 15-year-old, and this looks like it's going to pay off enormously for the Toronto Blue Jays this year. In 61 minor league games, he's hitting a mere 404 with 12 home runs and 60 runs batted in. A run batted in per game pretty well. And he's also walked 21 times, struck out 24 times. But you know what? For a power hitter, that's really not bad at all. You know, that's on pace for like, you know, 75 through a full uh, regular campaign. So, uh, I mean, he's got tons of power. But, uh, you know, this guy could be a 4 or 5 tool player, I think, on top of that power uh, 6'1", 200. He's just 19 years old, a 1999 birth date. And, um, you know, I think uh, you have to... The the prospects end and start with him and Bo Bichette, who we'll talk about a bit later, for the Toronto Blue Jays. And I think uh, we may see him maybe late September. You know, Mark Shapiro, the Jays GM, has said he's not going to skip AAA, but it could be a really close, quick stop there, I think, for a week or two, is what I'm thinking, Andy. Because, I mean, the Toronto Blue Jays really need that bright light, even just as a glimpse of it here at the end of this year, after a pretty tough season for their fans. And, of course, in the preseason, uh, when they played their game in Montreal, he hit that dramatic home run in front of uh, the crowd that was just going nuts for him. Because, of course, uh, Vladdy Guerrero Sr., his dad, had a spectacular career for the Expos and is uh, being inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. So yeah, I think uh, it's a it's a guy that uh, you have to look at. He he's Baseball America rates him as the number 1 prospect in Major League Baseball. So this guy is a legit future star, I think, and I think this future is not very far. And I think he's actually Canadian too. Was he born in Montreal? Or? He was born in Montreal, yes. So he is Canadian, although obviously he's been in uh, the Dominican Republic for a long time. But yes, he is Canadian for sure. If we can get him on our national team, that would be spectacular. Yeah, that might be tough, I think. But yeah. uh, I mean, Adam Oliveira, I mean, this guy um, is a player that I think a lot of fans have a lot of hope in. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. I, I mean, I do. Uh, I got I think we all t- do. tingles in my uh, fingers there because uh, just as you were saying, Andy, about the walk-off home run, the viewers at home got to watch that walk-off <laughs> home run as you were talking about it. And uh, it's it's something to see. If you haven't seen it, MLB does have it on YouTube. Go check it out. Uh, it's it's stunning. He takes the first pitch and just launches it. It's gone. <laughs> He has a flair for the dramatic as well, which I think uh, is going to play well for him uh, as a as a major league player. Yeah, fantastically effective and fun to watch. So it's a great combination. So uh, moving on to my first uh, player to watch, I'm sticking with a little bit of Canadian content here, and uh, also with an island connection, which I didn't realize at first. Uh, I should give the background on this. Uh, last year we did a segment on Baseball Talk where we. Uh, we recounted the top, our, in our opinion, who were the top Canadians uh, in every position throughout history. Uh, so we broke down every position uh, and argued over who were the, the top uh, players. And what we found out was there's been almost no Canadian shortstops in the major leagues, just a handful of them at all, let alone anyone who's had like a notable career. Um, so that's where I first came across uh, this fellow who uh, is listed as being from London, Ontario, but that's actually not the full story I just found out today. So it's a 19-year-old, Adam Hall, who's uh, playing single A, uh, big, big prospect. He's playing in the New York Penn League right now for the Aberdeen Ironbirds. And this 19-year-old, he has a fielding percentage of 922 and uh, is currently batting 241. Not too bad for a, for a 19-year-old rookie in single A ball. Um, but what's interesting here, he was drafted 60th overall by the Orioles in 2017, just last year. Signed him for $1.3 million. He was going to play college ball, and then he was offered $1.3 million. So I would make that choice, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, and he's often listed as a, as a Canadian. Um, but Sporting News has an article on him right now. And he actually was born and raised in Bermuda. And uh, so he's the first... Uh, Bermuda-born player to play pro ball in the United States, and uh, his father was from Woodstock. So as he was playing at Bermuda, there's very few opportunities to develop as a ball player. So when he was 12 years old, he moved uh, to London, Ontario, and then eventually ended up uh, playing on some summer travel teams there and became a highly sought-after prospect. So there you go. Hopefully Adam Hall will uh, change that trend of no notable Canadian shortstops. Well, it sounds like he has a real good chance to to make his way to the major leagues in a few short years and and maybe be that guy, but a very interesting background, to say the least. And, you know, weighing out Woodstock or Bermuda, hmm, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure which place I'd rather live. With all due respect to Woodstock, I'm, I think Bermuda was probably a good place to be, uh, be from for a bit. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure that's uh, after he clocks his dollars and has his major league career, he might end up back in Bermuda at that at some point there. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's way too hot to play baseball in Bermuda. I'm just <laughs> saying, going out there. You know what? It's pretty hot to get, play it in Cuba, it too, is, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's really warm in Bermuda. Yeah, no doubt. 102 every day, probably, with some uh, maybe a wind coming off the, off the, the water that surrounds it. But uh, yeah, um, let's move on maybe to the next uh, prospect I have in this guy. Um, this guy's in AAA with the Charlotte Knights right now, which is the AAA farm team of the Chicago White Sox. Uh, he's an outfielder. Uh, 21 years old. Get this. Get this. Six foot four, 205. This guy's a big man. Eloy Jimenez is his name. 
And this guy has been playing between Birmingham and Chattanooga, the, the farm team, or Charlotte, I should say, farm team, AAA. And between those two places in 73 games, he has 15 home runs and 52 runs batted in and is hitting about 340 um, between them. And he strikes out a few too much maybe for, you know, but young players, that happens. And that's, that, pretty common that's for really what makes players, yep. Vladdy so interesting is really he's not striking out for a power hitter that much. and But Jimenez maybe needs to cut that down a little bit. But obviously, you know, he, he's he's a, a solid uh, future pro. Good arm strength. Um, you know, he's got tons of power. Uh, they think that's going to uh, manifest itself even more than we've seen this year in 73 games with those 15 home runs at the two levels, double A AA and triple A. But, um, you know, back in 2014, he got a $2.8 million signing bonus uh, with the Cubs at that time, and then has since been traded. Um, but he is the number one prospect in the Chicago White Sox system, and he's rated number two by Baseball America behind just Vladdy Jr. How uh, how did he get on your radar? So he's just a guy that, uh, you know, I, I've heard some rumblings about from, you know, some of the baseball people that uh, this guy is probably a year away, but he's going to be a really good player for the Chicago White Sox for a long time. So he's playing AAA right now and he on is, the way yeah. up. Yeah, and he's played 20 games in AAA, and he has five home runs and 10 runs batted in there and hitting 351. So he's, you know, adjusted extraordinarily well to moving up in the last 20 games. And you know what? Maybe a call up here in September, maybe not. Um, who knows? But uh, in, in any event, uh, looks like he's a, a blue chipper on the way. Well, that uh, that's in common with uh, my next one, who started the season in Double A and is now in Triple A, and uh, it's actually a picture pitcher in uh, the Houston Astros organization. And uh, the interesting angle on this one, or the reason this one really jumped out at me, beyond his uh, effective play this year's uh, that he hit kind of a local guy in a sense. He's from uh, Godrich, Ontario. Oh, really? Yeah, his name is Brock Dykeshorn. It's a mm. Dutch name there. Uh, he actually, I believe he has a brother that uh, has played, uh, a few years ago, played in the local Junior C Loop and uh, plays uh, some senior hockey in the area. Uh, so this Brock uh, Dixhorn, the background on him, I was doing a lot of reading on it, is uh, he actually used to use baseball as kind of his second sport um, to keep himself in shape for uh, hockey. and But he got cut from the Huron-Perth Lakers hockey team. And at that point, uh, that's where he invested a little more attention into uh, baseball. And uh, scouts started to pay attention to him, even though he was he was going to high school in Clinton, which didn't really have much in the way of varsity baseball until his senior year. Um, was, we had a conversation last week where I talked about funding for sports, and when he played high school in Clinton, the, the players had to buy all their own equipment and buy all their own uniforms. Well, and I and wouldn't stuff think like that's that. an extraordinarily high level of ball either. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Now I think he did get onto some travel teams. He had some connections that way. So uh, he was drafted in uh, the sixth round of the 2014 draft um, by the Houston Astros, and he's worked his way up. He started in rookie ball and then low A, high A, double A, and uh, now he's 24 years old. Um, he started uh, 2-0 at AA Ball, and now he's uh, with Fresno. I believe it's the Fresno Gri- uh, Grizzlies, and he's 5-1 and one with a 2.93 ERA. So that's not too shabby in AAA for a relatively young pitcher. In his minor league career, he's 31-18, and 18, so showing a lot of uh, promise. Even though, ha- having said that, the Astros are a fairly st- you know, stacked rotation, but he's uh, definitely knocking on the door showing that he's ready for the major leagues. 
So it might be a case where, you know, he didn't get junior C interest and that was really the best thing that could have ever happened to him. Which is interesting because I was doing some reading up on Larry uh, Larry Walker. Right. And uh, just as a similarity there, Larry Walker growing up in BC apparently was a hockey nut. He was a goalie and he was really good buddies with Cam Neely. So Cam Neely used to take shots on him all the time. But he actually, uh, he got cut from... uh, or he failed to make a couple of junior A teams, so then focused on baseball. So for Brock Dixhorn and uh, Larry Walker, uh, not making the hockey team really uh, paid off in spades for them. And I, I will add this on his resume. Uh, Brock also won a gold medal uh, for the Canadian national team, uh, men's national team in 2015 at the Pan Am Games. He was already pitching for our national team. So Sounds like an interesting and intriguing prospect and maybe a local guy that... Uh you know, we might see in the major leagues in a year or two or, or whatever, but uh, those things take time, but he sounds like he's doing very well. Yeah, and I, I, I hope to see him continue on that upward tra- trajectory. Very interesting. All right, I've got another one for you. And this guy, this name will seem familiar, Fernando Tatis Jr. Fernando course, Tatis. So his dad was a major league player for a long time who played 11 years in the major leagues, was kind of a utility-type player. Um, infielder and different, uh, you know, positions in the infield. Uh, but uh, this young man has more power than Dad. Although Dad had a good career for eleven seasons, this young guy—he's a shortstop, but he's six foot three, very slender though. One eighty-five needs to fill out. He's just nineteen years old. But in eighty-eight games this year at Double A, in his first year in 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 ball in baseball um, after signing. He starts at Double A and he hits 16 home runs and 43 runs batted in in 88 games. Wow! And batting 286. Now I will say the strikeouts are high, 109 strikeouts. That's a lot, and only um, 33 walks. But he had also has 16 stolen bases. So this guy has speed. You know, I think that um, the strikeouts. You know, that's pretty typical of a young player with power. That uh, you know they swing for the fences and they have to sort of control. You know handling breaking pitches and you know every a lot of those guys can hit the fastball but they get a lot of you know uh, off speed stuff that is tough to handle when you get to that level so you know i think that's going to level out for him he's ranked 30th on uh, major league baseball's pipeline.com's top prospects so this guy you know one of the better prospects in baseball um san diego's top prospect in fact the padres and, uh, you know, he's kind of intriguing. And certainly with that uh, pedigree from dad, um, you know, I think that's probably going to be a helping hand to him on, you know, the pressures of Major League Baseball and, and you know, getting some tips from dad. It's not the be-all and end-all, but it's certainly, we've seen it in hockey and we've seen it in baseball too, where, you know, Vladdy Jr., of course, you know, gets tips from dad, who was a star. And this is the same sort of thing for Fernando Tatis Jr., Interesting. Yeah, I haven't heard of him before, so uh, another one to watch. And uh, we named the segment Rookies and Prospects to Watch because I wanted to slide in this rookie. Okay. Uh, I mentioned him last week, uh, first-year pitcher for for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Made the jump all the way from A-ball to uh, major leagues this year, and uh, his name is Jordan Hicks. He's uh, 6'2", 185 pounds, uh, from Houston, Texas. And he's currently 22 years old. Uh, he's almost 22 in just a week or so, making 545000 this year. Uh, and so the most exciting thing about this guy is he's one of two players in Major League history to ever throw 105 miles per hour in a Major League game. 
and he's the first player to ever do it twice in the same game. And uh, for our TV viewers uh, on Whiteman, uh, they're probably seeing right now there's a, a clip where he – uh, a few weeks ago, he had a span of five games in a row, or sorry, five pitches in a row that were all between 103 and 105 miles per hour. Yeah, in so, fact, we just saw the 105 mile an hour pitch on Whiteman TV. So yeah. the sustainability of that long term is what I would question. Maybe even short term. I mean, that is going to put an incredible amount of Tremo- pressure tremendous. and stress under your ligaments and and uh, tendons and whatnot. I. I I just don't know how long that guy can keep it up. I mean, good for him that he's capable of that. And, I mean, Randy Johnson had a phenomenal career. I know he had a bit of arm trouble, but, you know, it can be done. But, wow, I mean, that's a tough one. Yeah, I just he, want to mention, if I can interrupt, the uh, the game that the clip is from where he throws these five fast pitches. Through, there's four 104 and one 105. Um, you know, it's top of the ninth. St. Louis is at home. There's two outs. St. Louis is winning 5-1. to one. So he's probably giving it like 130% saying, oh, you know, I'm not going to be out here for that long. I can really rip it and not worry about it, right? Yeah. And, yeah, so in that segment, it's 104, 105, 104, 105, and then 103. Right. And those are the five fastest pitches thrown in Major League Baseball this year. We're all consecutively. Having said that, he is a rookie, and uh, some control issues there every now and then rear their head. He's 3-2. Uh, and two. Uh, he's played in 47 games already, so they're not shy about throwing him out there. He's uh, 51 uh, innings pitched, 44 strikeouts, so uh, two saves. So he's not even uh, a strikeout per inning type thing, but uh, he's young. He's you know only 22 years old. He's raw. So it's interesting to see uh, how long he can last. Yeah, and I mean, if he can get those control issues and not be... Uh you know, wild thing, if you will, yeah. <laughs> then, uh, you know, that's going to help them too. But uh, yeah, you don't want to, you know, I just feel like that, that the, the speed that he's yet. throwing at, I just, I just think he's an arm trouble away. should say it's all uh, sinkers too. He has a, Is that right, a pretty significant sinker. And I saw that stat on it. They're saying his, the average speed on a sinker this year is he's averaging hundred miles per hour wow. on a sinker. So I don't know if he, which normally would else. be about 88 to 90, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah, and we just, at uh, the end of the clip, he throws a 104-mile-an-hour sinker that unfortunately gets away from the back catcher and allows the hitter he's facing to get on base. But you know, if you're that hitter, you're, I'd, I'd just be glad I made it out of it alive. Period. <laughs> no kidding, eh? Yeah. Fun to watch anyways. Yeah, yeah we'll keep an eye out for him for sure. Um, I've got one more prospect, if you will, and I, I want to go back to the... Uh, the Sad Sack Toronto Blue Jays, which we'll get into in a few moments uh, or, or in the show. In our last segment. Yeah, in our last gonna, segment, we'll yeah. talk about that. But uh, there, are other, there are other kingpin of young prospects that we need to keep an eye on, of course, is Bo Bichette. And Bo, along with uh, Vlad Jr., are the future for the Toronto Blue Jays. You know, he's ranked seventh by Baseball America. And I think that ranking might be low because this guy can play. You know, it's 92 games in A, eight home runs, 51 runs batted in. Hitting 269, but this guy can do it all. Um, you know, he's got 27 stolen bases. Uh, he can play shortstop and second base, which, based on the Toronto Blue Jays right now, is really good for them that, because they don't really have a lot of great options there at the moment. So, certainly ones that can't stay healthy anyway. Um, you know, this guy was a second round pick, 66 overall. I bet you there's 65 uh, chances that people are kicking their butts now on the fact that they didn't take him ahead of that because this guy has really developed into 
well, there's no other way to put it, but an elite prospect. And uh, I think another future star for the Toronto Blue Jays. And again, you know, the bloodlines, Dante Bichette was a heck of a ball player, played for the Milwaukee Brewers. And of course, later, um, I think in, uh, did he? Was it Kansas? I think it was Kansas City, yeah. So this guy, you know, I think, again, is a four- to five-tool player for the Toronto Blue Jays, and they just don't grow on trees. They're very fortunate to have these two young prospects. Do they all pan out? No. But these guys look like they're right on the correct trajectory to you know, future stardom for the Toronto Blue Jays, so good on them. Great. So there we go. We have uh, seven... Uh well, I guess what we have is six prospects and one rookie uh, to keep an eye on there, and uh, hope uh, hopefully you'll be watching along and seeing great things from all seven of those players. Uh, we're going to take our first uh, recess break here, our first commercial break, and we'll be back on the other side with a Clark Ives. Holman Motors is now your destination for pre-owned trucks. They've got lots of late model trucks in stock to satisfy your needs and plan on stocking a solid quantity of trucks on a regular basis. Even if you happen to be looking for something they don't have in stock, their access to a huge inventory of trucks ensures they can get what you need. If they don't have it, they'll get it for you. It's all happening at Holman Motors Chevrolet, Buick GMC Cadillac, across from the racetrack in Hanover and at HolmanMotors.com. I walk it for my mom. I walk it for my aunt. I walk it for my granddad. This September, who will you walk it for? South Gray Bruce and Hanover Walk It for Parkinson's. Saturday, September the 8th at the Hanover Town Park. We all have a person we walk it for, and this September, let's walk it for them because we're in this together. All proceeds stay local and support programs and services in southwestern Ontario offered by Parkinson's Society Southwestern. This September, I walk for me. Register today at walk-it.ca. Grey Bruce Brick and Landscape Supply in Hanover is this area's leader for all your interlocking stone and retaining wall solutions, including Canrock. They carry a wide selection of Aeroscraft, Permacon, and cultured stone products for all your landscaping projects, as well as Clay Brick, carrying top-quality products, including Hanson. Your first choice for landscape, septic, and masonry products. Visit Grey Bruce Brick at 525 First Street in Hanover, 519-364-7778, or visit greybrucebrick.ca. Grey Bruce Brick and Landscape Supply, proudly serving the community for over 50 years. Progressive Results Group is here to help. We get it. Business owners wear a lot of hats, and it's hard to keep up with everything. We offer a full-service approach to marketing. So, if you're struggling to create quality content for social media or need a bold, mobile-friendly website, call Ontario's Small Business Marketing Company. It's time to get noticed, and we can make that happen. Progressive Results Group. Save money. Save time. Grow your business. Learn more at ProResultsGroup.com or check out our Facebook page. Nothing beats the sights there on the boat or sounds of horse racing. Come on, just a gigolo. It's Sights and Sounds Weekend at Hanover Raceway. Watch the Dream of Glory eliminations. Try your luck with the Hanover District Hospital Night and the 50-50. And watch the Human Sulky Races. Taste the delicious Pet Rescue Barbecue. And save room for Lance Kettlecorn. Then take a complimentary shuttle bus to the Sights and Sound Dance featuring the Kara Smith Band. Visit HanoverRaceway.com. Dear Children's Wish Foundation of Canada. Thank you for sending me Rory the Lion. That means I'm going to get my wish, and that makes me really, really happy. 
He's my favorite stuffed toy. I told him it's okay, Rory, because only two more needles until my wish. I will send you pictures from the top of the Rocky Mountain. Love, Emily. Imagine the difference a wish can make. Click on childrenswish.ca and give today. Baseball Talk is brought to you by Joy for Sports, 435 Durham Street East in Walkerton, for all your sports needs. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, on Baseball Talk on Blue Water Radio, 91.3 FM. Uh, If you're out of town, you can listen online at bluewater.ca. You can also catch us on TV if you have Whiteman. uh, Catch us Friday nights at 8 o'clock right after the Raceway Action on Channel 6. And also, we uh, have our podcast up and running again. Uh, Great work by Adam on that one. And if you want to catch these episodes on podcast form, you can download them or you can listen online. Uh, That's Baseball Talk BWR. .potomatic.com and uh, that's all lowercase and that first part's all one word the baseball talk BWR which stands for Blue Water Radio and yeah so you can uh, get a hold of our episodes uh, in podcast form and travel around that way too should say as well thank you to all the people that have uh, mentioned they've been enjoying the show and uh, you know hearing it around town and from people that we know uh, it, it's it's much appreciated and uh, we're certainly doing our best to to entertain and inform, and so that's what you know it's all about. Uh, yeah, we love getting that positive feedback. Yep. So you have a Clark Hives, and I thought this was a very interesting one, Andy, that you came up with this week. Yeah, and it turned out that it uh, it kind of segues in really neat with some things going on uh, in the baseball world right now. Uh, first of all, I'll start with some of that because uh, Jay's fans have been watching young uh, Baraki. Uh, he pitched again last night and uh, hasn't been getting a whole lot of support in his four starts, but he's been pitching well. And uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, they've had an interesting thing going on this week where they've had two uh, pitchers make their major league debuts, and uh, they've started off with uh, some runs at a no-hitter. Last night, it was a guy called Austin Gomber who uh, had a no-hitter going through 6.1, six and one-third innings, I should say, um, before it got broke up. And then uh, the game before that, they had a character named Daniel Ponce de Leon, and uh, he uh, had a no-hitter through seven, and then uh, he got pulled after throwing 116 pitches in his major league debut, and then they ended up losing the game. <laughs> so disappointing to him. But all of this segues into our Clark Ives uh, because the headline says, The Phils were introduced to Steve Rogers' show. And this is from the Vancouver Sun of Friday, July 27th of 1973. It was on uh, the 23rd page. And basically, it's uh, talking about uh, Steve Rogers, who probably, arguably, the best pitcher in Expos history. Uh, he uh, threw a one-hitter in his second game. Uh, so he was just shortly off making his uh, debut, where he had thrown a four-hitter over eight innings and only allowed two runs in his first start. And then uh, against the Phillies, he uh, threw a one-hitter in a complete game. And uh, the one hit he did allow was a, a dribbler down to third base. So... Not a shabby uh, second start in the major leagues. No far from it. Uh, spectacular uh, almost debut, I guess. And uh, we know, obviously, he had a good career and uh, some really high-end moments 
as for, well. For Steve Rogers, yeah, certainly. Yeah. I, I felt so far in our uh, previous two episodes, we haven't had much uh, Expos content. So, uh, Got to throw we go. some in, eh? Got some in with the Clark Ives. And uh, by the way, for our listeners on the radio, um, and actually for the Whiteman viewers too, if you want to read this at your leisure, uh, it is posted on my Twitter feed, at Gray County Guy. If you uh, want to check it out there, uh, the whole article is there for you to read. And they have one of those things at the end of the article, you know, around the diamonds or baseball notes or whatever. And uh, really interesting piece there, too, because uh, it's talking about some spitball accusations in the All-Star game of 1973. <laughs> and uh, Sparky Anderson, who is uh, then manager of the Big Red Machine, the Cincinnati Reds, uh, he mentioned that somehow uh, an American League pitcher's warm-up jacket ended up in their dugout. I'm not sure if they uh, helped it end up in their dugout or not. <laughs> but uh, he said that in the pockets, he uh, found a tube of lubricating jelly and a toothbrush. And uh, Pete Rose was also on that National League team that won the game 7-1. But uh, he was attesting to uh, this particular pitcher, uh, threw him four straight spitballs uh, in the fourth inning. And for those of you that are not familiar with spitballs... Um, Quite often, it's not actually spit. It's quite often they use Vaseline. Right. And what they do is uh, they're kind of causing the ball to be uh, lopsided by putting extra weight on a side by getting Vaseline on part of the ball. Uh, the other thing they used to do is they used to try and scuff the ball. And that's why when you're watching the major league games, they're constantly any ball that is like fouled off or in the dirt, it's gone. they take out of the game immediately because in the past they didn't do that. And pitchers found out that if they had soft spots, you sometimes used to see them actually digging at them because it would make the ball lopsided and then the, the spin would be unpredictable and it would just do all sorts of crazy stuff. And they accomplished the same thing with uh, Vaseline, um, either scuffing the ball or getting Vaseline on it. And the picture in question that was being accused was Bill Singer uh, of the California Angels. Of course, Bill Singer at one time did pitch for the Toronto Blue Jays as well in their early days early days there yeah and you know like it wasn't all that uncommon uh, there used to be a baseball phrase that if you're not cheating you're not trying <laughs> yeah. and philosophically i don't agree with that but you know we remember gaylord well, phil necro were certainly into that yeah phil and joe necro <laughs> yeah, right? right where uh, there's that famous moment where I, I think it was joe where he was being caught and uh he, he tries to get rid of the evidence <laughs> yeah. there, right? Like, he tries to throw his hands out, like, what? What are you accusing me? And, and he then, throws it out with his... He likes, you know, I don't know how many people were in the stadium at the time, probably like 30,000, and he was actually, it was an emery board and right. some sandpaper. Yeah. <laughs> like, as if the umpires aren't going to see that. And yeah. uh, I'm just not sure how he was able to uh, uh, actually use sandpaper and an emery board on the mound to actually scuff the balls. What a skill. Yeah, that's quite the, the deception. Actually, big, big, big mitts, really big mitts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should mention that if any of the younger viewers who aren't familiar with that actual game footage, just go home and watch Bull Durham. <laughs> yeah, you see well. something similar. Yeah. yeah, actually, this all brings to mind uh, Gaylord Perry. I believe used to. I think he's a Hall of Famer. That he used is, to, but. Uh, he used to throw a, a bit of a spitter. Did he ever? And I remember seeing an interview. I think it must have been after he retired, but he actually gave one of his, uh, he said one of his most, con and he used to actually use spit, um, but he used to do this kind of sleight of hand where, you know, pitchers are often licking at their fingers. Right. So he would sort of, he would lick the thumb and then wipe the fingers <laughs> then, then lick the fingers and then wipe the thumb. And he said people, you know, quite often didn't catch on to it. So you could get a lot of <laughs> saliva going on one. And then the other one he used to use, I, I guess, was a, an old standard one. Is he used to Vaseline the bottom of his cap. Oh, yes. Right? So he could sort of tug on his cap and get a hunk of Vaseline. And uh, Well, and, and with him, and with Necro, I mean, 
that that, but he had the knuckleball in his arsenal as well, which is also so is, unpredictable I as mean, it is. Yeah, talk about an unpredictable pitch. We've seen it, you know, with several players, you know, in the last ten years, maybe two or three that have done that. But I mean, when you think of, I mean, it must have been just like, how do I face this guy? Yeah, and Joe throwing the knuckleball too. Um, I imagine the fact that they take the balls out so often, and now there's just so Would many eyes and so him. many cameras, like. I'm assuming that they can't be doctoring the ball anymore. No, I wouldn't think with the degree, of course, that they they did back then. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we don't really see many people, you know, trying or doing that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the fact we talked about Gaylord Perry being in the Hall of Fame, and I believe, is Phil Necro a Hall of Famer? I think he is, yeah. I'm pretty sure he is. I'm not sure if Joe is, but, you know, I wanted to talk because there is some Hall of Fame stuff coming up. And it really causes me great angst that Larry Walker is not in the Hall of Fame with all of his numbers. And you hear some really, really, quite frankly, and I'm going to be very harsh here, very stupid arguments saying that, well, yeah, he played a lot of his career in Colorado, which is favorable for hitters. And But the fact is people didn't bat an eye when like Gaylord Perry and Phil Necro, who openly <laughs> were doctoring and cheating, so. yeah, as pitchers make it into the Hall of Fame, no one bats an eye. And there's an awful lot of pundits out there supporting the steroid cheats who artificially like yeah that artificially inflated their numbers and they're giving them a walk and then they're all of a sudden saying this great canadian player has to be excluded because you know his ballpark was favorable to to hitters it's ridiculous so are we saying now that anyone that plays in colorado just they're not eligible for the hall of fame is that Uh, basically what i'm getting from that or absolutely yeah i don't know if there's something else behind this i I just can't imagine i can't really well i mean I i guess it's one thing that Two of the teams that he essentially played mo- the majority, if not all, of his career, Colorado and the Expos, are not big market teams, and Which they don't get the help, media yeah. uh, sort of scrutiny and coverage that that maybe those two markets get. And I think that plays into you know if this if this guy was a New York Yankee, he's in the Hall of Fame right now. Absolutely, no question. I think, uh, only only pitchers from Colorado, right? No hitters. Only pitchers can go in. Yeah, but I mean, it's ridiculous. Though on You're the other side right. of that too, I mean, Adam, on the other side of that, you know. Pitchers that get into the Hall of Fame maybe have a 2.50 earn run average. So does that mean in Colorado, if you're three three point one zero, that's the same thing, and you should get in? Like, yeah. it's, it's it's nonsense both ways. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. And I, you know, he's got good numbers away from Colorado too, in away games, and away games when he was in an Expo too. So absolutely. I don't see where they're coming from on this. Absolutely, and if you just look at his resume, there were seven Gold Gloves. Uh, five All-Star games. He was the National League MVP in 1997. Three Silver Slugger awards, uh, you know, for leading an average. So he not only had power, but he hit for average. And, and he, he was, was a heck of a defensive player. Heck of a defensive player, good on the base pass, 230 he's, career stolen bases. He's a Hall of Famer. There's yeah. no no two ways about it. And people, people say uh, Joey Votto uh, is, you know, a surefire Hall of Famer. But right now, his numbers and Larry Walker's are extremely similar. Uh, 383 home runs, 1,311 RBIs. Uh, over 17 seasons, his career batting average is 313. Like, that's fantastic. So, And he for, wanted to be a hockey player. And he wanted to be a hockey player. So he's got to, you know, hopefully he's thanked those junior A teams in D.C. <laughs> yeah, that cut him. But exactly. to all our listeners, to all our viewers, like, I don't know, let's get the conversation going for uh, Larry Walker. Let's get the ball rolling. I think justice needs to be done here. This guy needs to be in the uh, Cooperstown. Couldn't agree with you more. I, I completely concur with everything you said. It's a, it's a shame. And again, you know, I think it's a case where, you know, you need sort of an impetus of 
of constituency behind you to propel you somewhat and get your name sort of in, you know, in all the media's mind and that kind of thing. And obviously, you know, he wasn't in a big market. I think that's part of the problem. And again, as you said, you know, the, the being um, almost saying that his numbers are inflated because of where he played, but, you know, but but Mark McGuire, you know, cheating outright was yeah. fine, and we're going to cons- we're considering and, yeah. that Barry Bonds and and all of those guys. You know, it's not even in the same class as those guys. This guy is a for sure Hall of Famer. I don't care if they put him in, but he is a Hall of Famer. He is. He we deserves should mention though that he not that it makes much difference, but he is in the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, so his home country has recognized him. But Andy, could you just quickly briefly go over, you mentioned to me off air about to the viewers about uh, the requirements about the Hall of Fame in the States, because they can only be on the ballot so many times where so they, times, they yeah. don't get considered at all, right? What, what's the background? There? I don't have uh, the details 100% on that, but I noticed Sports Illustrated uh, did an article specifically on Larry Walker in, in the Hall of Fame. And they were just saying that, you know, they actually did an interesting thing where they adjusted his stats for some of the the metrics, like such as the ballpark. And they said even after they've you know downward adjusted some of his stats, that he's right at the average um, of right fielders that are in the Hall of Fame. So that's even with the downward adjustment, you know, statistically doing some magic, he's right there. Uh, I think his first time on the ballot, he had about twenty percent. I'm not sure what was on the second one, but now there's a limited uh, number of times they can be on the ballot. I think he's allowed to be on four more times or something like that. And certainly the last few years, he's been the forgotten man because there's been some very popular figures. So uh, they're basically saying, you know, arguably he should be in there or they actually agree he should be in. They're just saying the way the system works is he probably won't get in the way the system stands right now. What a shame. Yeah, what mean, a shame, yeah. And, and the gold gloves have zero to do with where he played either. Like, Absolutely. You know, and you can't the denigrate pass, that. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. this guy was just an all-around ball player, that's for sure. All-around gamer. And uh, in having said that, like, uh, Vladdy's going in, and, you know, he started with the Expos, but then he went to California, where... Got that publicity. Got the publicity, and if you look at Andre Dawson, started out in Montreal, but then he ended up going to Chicago, right. where Cubs. Gary Carter went to the Mets, right? So they all went to very large markets. Uh, Tim Raines... He was also in Chicago and moved around a little bit down in Florida. So, you know, they, they moved off to places where they got more of a fan base support. So for Larry Walker to not be in just because he wasn't in a big market is ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. It's a travesty for sure. Um, let's take our second break here, and then we're going to come back and talk some serious Blue Jay. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, trade deadline stuff. Trade deadline stuff and uh, Gibbons. What's the future for Gibbons? So we'll be right back after this break. Baseball Talk is brought to you by Joy for Sports, 435 Durham Street East in Walkerton, for all your sports needs. When you step into Bath and Biscuit Dog Grooming Salon in Durham, you'll see why it's the place for passionate pet parents. Grooms include brush out, haircut from nose to tail, nail trimming, hydro surge bath that deep cleans your furry friends, blow dry and finishing spray, private appointments, treats, experienced groomers, and a whole lot of love ensures that you've got the best looking dog on the block. Bath and Biscuit Dog Grooming Salon on Garifroxa Street North in Durham now also sells pet food and supplies. Visit them at bathandbiscuit.ca. <laughs> Bruce County Combat and Fitness in Walkerton offers recreational and competitive kickboxing, boxing, wrestling, boot camps, yoga, and kids' classes. 
They offer early morning, daytime, and evening classes to fit your schedule, as well as private lessons and birthday parties. Your first class is always free to try, and the low monthly membership fees get you access to unlimited classes, plus there are no contracts to sign. Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or at their website, brucecountycombat.com, or give them a call at 519-507-4431. Atmosphere is Hanover's premier magazine for all things community, featuring photography, events, and articles written by local experts, plus the completely redesigned Hanover Parks, Recreation, and Culture Guide. You'll find it in your mailbox or check out the online version at atmosphereHanover.com. You've just received a huge estimate to repair your older vehicle, and you know you'll never recover the money. It's time to close your wallet and call the folks at Andy's Country Repairs in Walkerton. Andy's will pay for your old car. They'll even pick it up. Your old vehicle will be efficiently recycled for working parts. You'll get a check, not a tax receipt. So do your wallet and the environment a big favor. Call Andy's Country Repairs at 519-881-0378. Andy's will handle all the details and your wallet will thank you. Bruce and Gray Counties are amazing places to live, but sometimes they can be difficult to get around and explore. That's where Soggy Mobility and Regional Transit comes in. Since 1977, they've specialized in public transit service to those with permanent or temporary mental and physical challenges within Bruce and Gray Counties. Finally, you have the ability to stay mobile. Life can be challenging. Let Soggy Mobility help. To find out more about smart services in your area or to register, visit SoggyMobility.ca and they'll see you soon. Tired of hard water wreaking havoc around your home? Dry skin and lifeless hair? Dull and dingy laundry? Soap scum and spotted glasses, too? Hey, Colligan Man! A Colligan water softener turns hard water soft every time. Soft water is the answer. Not cleaning products or detergents. Colligan saves you up to 50% on soaps and detergents while turning your laundry, bathroom, and kitchen brilliant, like me. Hey, Colligan Man! This is Suzanne. Join me weekdays, 10 a.m. till noon, for the morning show, Our Morning. Each day, I'll play a great mix of music, old and new, with your requests and dedications, and a look at what's on in and around the area with interesting studio guests. That's The Morning Show with me, Suzanne, weekdays, 10 till noon, right here on 91.3 FM, Blue Water Radio. Baseball Talk is brought to you by Joy for Sports, 435 Durham Street East in Walkerton, for all your sports needs. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Before the break, we were talking about uh, Larry Walker and how we uh, deeply feel he should be in the Hall of Fame. And uh, Adam worked his magic there, so for our... uh, uh, TV audience, he has a graphic up on the screen showing how many votes he's got in uh, when he's been on the Hall of Fame ballots. And uh, we're going to throw it over to Adam to share that with our radio viewers as well. Absolutely. Uh, the magic of the internet is the magic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, I don't have a graphic, unfortunately. But uh, just uh, so people on both sides, TV and radio know, uh, Walker will be on the 2018 ballot. I didn't get a chance to see how many years. I think it's 15 years they can be eligible for after retirement. Uh, we'll have to look a little more on the Baseball Hall of Fame rules in Cooperstown. That sounds right, Adam. I think that sounds right, yeah. So Walker's first time on the ballot was uh, 2012. 
And uh, that was his largest percentage at 22.9. And then the last time he was on was 2016. Or sorry, 2016 he was on and he got 15.5%. Um, now, last year, uh, he got 21.9%. They need 75% to be inducted. Wow. Unfortunately, um, us Joe public here don't have much control because it's the Baseball Writers Association of America that decides who gets in and who does not get in. Uh, but, yeah, like you are saying, Andy, maybe we can get a maybe a petition going or some kind of vocal uh, echo on Twitter going to yeah, get social uh, media name. buzz. Yeah, there's actually a quote in this MLB.com article from Steve Gilbert that was uh, just out before Christmas of last year where Walker does make reference to that. He says, I could be frustrated by it all, but I don't let it bother me. I guess I have a fault, and my fault was playing at Coors Field. So <laughs> kind of referencing what we were talking about there. That whole thing, yeah. yeah and all sure. of this brings to mind uh, one of our uh, regular listeners uh, by the name of Mike Anderson, who uh, is a, a very big California Angels fan. Uh, I know on s- social media, on Twitter and such, he's uh, really made the case for a player called Dick Allen, who uh, I didn't really get to watch. That's before my time a little bit, but he uh, often is making the case for Dick Allen to be in the Hall of Fame also. So Dick Allen and Larry Walker should be in there. Uh, now we're going to segue over to our uh, Twitter poll. And once again, you can check out, uh, you can vote on our Twitter poll uh, each week uh, at Gray County Guy on Twitter. And uh, I'm sure uh, Blue Water Radio and Whiteman also often uh, retweet those, so you can find them at their Twitter uh, Twitter pages. Uh, but the question for this week was, uh, who has been the Blue Jays' best relief pitcher this season? Because uh, their relief pitching has been probably their brightest light so far this season. And uh, so the options on there were Seong Won Oh, the Korean pitcher, Ryan Tapera, Tyler Clippard, and Canadian John Axford. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, Tyler Clippard has pitched fairly well as part of that tandem, but he only had 6% of the votes. Uh, then Seng Won Oh and John Axford uh, tied. Uh, they both pulled down 19% of the votes. And a very strong uh, 56% uh, voted for Ryan Tapera, who uh, has kind of been put into that closer role, which uh, gets a bit bit more of the notoriety and such. Uh, I believe he's second... Uh, Amongst the regular relievers, uh, or actually regular pitchers, I think he's second in ERA. Seung Won Oh is first in ERA. Uh, Seung Seung Won Oh has two saves, and Ryan Tapera had like 12, 13. I, I don't have the number right in front of me, but he's leading them in saves right now. Yeah, and uh, that that segues nicely into uh, what are the Jays going to do? The uh, the non waivers trade deadline is July thirty first, so that's coming up uh, next Tuesday. And uh, they're sitting at 46 and 54. And, and really, Andy, I mean, if you read some of the baseball uh, pundits and, and, and columnists, you know, the, it appears that Jay Happ, of course, is their biggest target and biggest asset that they may have to trade. But uh, some, imp- some pending free agents, John Axford and Tyler Clippard, that you just referenced, you know, pitched relatively well for the Toronto Blue Jays. And, you know, there'd be a return for them. Although, at, you know, I don't think they could expect the the sun and the moon for those guys, but you know maybe a serviceable player moving forward type of thing with a few years left of control as opposed to a free agent, or maybe a promising young player possibly. Um, and 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 Sung Young Ho, Sung Young Ho, easy for me to say. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's a guy. He has a year left after this year on his contract. 
could be dealt as well. 2.74 earn run average, and he's striking out 10.6 strikeouts per nine innings. This guy, I mean, he's been major firepower, and you could see how a team would have a lot of interest in him. So, but whether the Toronto Blue Jays feel like, you know, they don't, they want to get a little bit more for him or have him back for next year, it's hard to say. And then the wild card out there is Roberto Osuna. I mean, he's eligible to return August 5th. He's at AAA Buffalo right now. You know, his value is incredibly low given everything going on, you would think. But, you know, we've seen other scenarios of this type play out in Major League Baseball with, you know, alleged, you know, spousal abuse and things like that. Those players come back to things like standing ovations from their fans. And, you know, I mean, we're, I don't know what's going to happen with Osuna, and we don't know the complete details because it's still playing its way through the courts. But not guilty in court isn't necessarily innocent either. And, and I, you know, it's just what did the Toronto Blue Jays do with him? Because they're going to get very little for him right now. He's just 21 years old. We know he has a world of talent, but at the same time, you have to have some kind of something that you stand for or don't stand for and, you know, some morality in what you would, you know, tolerate from employees or not. And, you know, I I really would give the Toronto Blue Jays a ton of credit for getting rid of Roberto Osuna as talented and as great as he has been for the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, there's just some things I think as a society we just can't stand for. And again, you know, it's, it's still playing out through the courts and I understand that, but if if he is guilty of this, you know, I don't think he can stand for that. And I, I wouldn't want the Toronto Blue Jays to. They may very well keep him, but I want the, I want him to go. If he's guilty, he's got to go. I agree with you, Steve. He should go. Uh, and the Jays did move him down to AAA just uh, yesterday as well, too. As a rehab start. Well, yeah, so he's not start, eligible so. to return to the majors till August 5th. So he's been in yeah. single A and now AAA. They're gearing him up to come back or whatever they t- intend to do with him. But... You know, I, I think sometimes, you know, we've seen that New York Yankees have, I don't want to say condone, it might be a little strong word, but they've kind of looked the other way on guys that have had, you know, similar instances as this. And, you know, they're great players, but maybe not great people, if you will. And I'd love a major league team to just draw a line in the sand and say, we're just not going to tolerate this. And you know what? Our team is better addition by subtraction here. Yes, uh, and I think there has been growth in the sense that, you know, he did have a 75-game suspension where, you know, in the past, as a league, they collectively would sort of, you know, turn a blind eye to things like domestic violence. It was just not something that they they, uh, took the path of least resistance and would say it's not our issue, what happens behind closed doors. And it's it's good that Major League Baseball is actually stepping up and and addressing it with, uh, you know, having some rules in place for uh, dealing with domestic violence uh, probably too late in the process but better late than never uh, and the question is yeah what do you do with them uh, if you don't want them on your team anymore is trading them off are you just basically saying okay you know let someone else you know let it be someone else's problem or I guess the other thing is you could try and he's a fairly young pitcher is maybe give him some real terms and conditions and send him back down to AAA and let him rebuild his way up and say, you know, and we're also keeping an eye on, you know, off-field character. If you want to make it back to the big leagues, you know. That would be a really gutsy move by the Toronto Blue Jays. I, I would certainly welcome that. 
I don't anticipate they'll do it, but I doubt it is it. something they could do. Yeah. So you know what? There's couple, there's two ways to look at this. You you can look at it from a morality standpoint, or you can look at it from an asset management standpoint. Okay. So if you take the sort of crimes or alleged crimes and and instances out of it, this guy is a 21 year old pitcher who probably is one of the best relievers to this point in his career in Major League Baseball history, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Has a world of talent and may go on to be one of the best relievers in the game ever. He certainly has, I think you could say he might have that trajectory or certainly has that possibility of trajectory. So from an asset management point of view, taking all the emotion out of it, there's no way the Toronto Blue Jays should trade him because of that. But I don't think you can look at it as black and white like that, but... I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Having said that, though, being your closer, um, there is quite often a shelf life on that. Like, we look at John Axford, who a few years ago was Rolaids Relief Pitcher of the Year, had like 45 saves. And now, like, he's pitching really well long relief, but he was in the minors last year for good stretches. Like, it he's, had to work, goes. he's had to work his way back to the big league. So, whether it's control or if you're coming in in the ninth inning to close things out, there's a, it's a high stress situation and uh whether it's control whether it's arm health velocity all of those things uh, it seems to have a limited shelf life so uh osuna very likely has some really good years but how many it's hard to say no i tend to i agree with that and i mean it could be three it could be seven it could be ten we don't know but uh that's a very i think that's an incredibly difficult and maybe the most important decision that the toronto blue jays are going to make over the next uh, 10 days to two weeks, regardless of the trade deadline, Jay Happ and those other guys that we talked about, yeah. that might be the most important in a lot of ways about what people feel about the Toronto Blue Jays as an organization. Because I think, you know what, there's going to be an alienation of some fans either way, maybe, really. Yeah, yeah it, I would it, agree. And uh, the latest on the trade rumors around Osuna say that the Houston Astros are looking into fill in with uh, their youngster Ken Giles is down with injuries and they say hey we've got a spot here but like I kind of agree with you Steve you kind of got to take a stance and you know he's almost like damaged goods sort of in my eyes somewhat right oh I I would think so and uh, was Zach Britton going to the Yankees last night uh, that probably takes them out of the Jay Happ sweepstakes, I would think, in terms of giving up the assets maybe that Toronto would want. They would, they would want, so yeah. So it uh, looks like the Yankees are, are probably not in the play for Jay Happ anymore. So be interesting to see where that goes. Because really, quite frankly, their hugest need right now is starting pitching. And, good uh, starting pitching. Well, yeah, sure. good starting the, pitching, uh, yeah. The Yankees apparently... Up to an MLB article, again, my internet sleuthing here, 20 minutes ago, the Yankees are still, as people in the know say, the Yankees are still uh, in the running for Hap. They still want to do a trade deal. Well, maybe they want to, but if they're not going to give up what Toronto wants. But you know what? I think the team that I'm watching um, on Jay Hap, especially because I think the price, to me, is probably going to be more sort of a second-tier level than, than what we saw yesterday with the Yankees. Um, it is the Milwaukee Brewers. I think the Brewers, you know, are having an outstanding year. This would be a short-term acquisition. It's not necessarily going to take their top prospect to get this done. So they might invest in sort of a second-tier, still solid prospect, but a guy that uh, for a rental like Jay Happ would be. I-, I could see a team like that jumping in here. Yeah, it was good to see uh, Jaime Garcia, um, who they acquired to be their fifth starter. And at this point, they really have one starter, yeah. quite frankly, in Hap. 
Um, but uh, he pitched uh, three scoreless innings there uh, a couple games ago, and it was pretty much meaningless mop-up time because they were down by so much. But it was in a relieving role, but it was it was good to see him actually pitching effectively because he's had a really tough year. So, guys, I mean, there are some other options that are open to the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, they could trade anybody, let's be honest. Uh, we we but, have about – sorry, Steve, uh, we have about 30 here to – Okay, I was okay. just going to say Curtis Granison I'd watch for, possibly. Maybe even Marco Estrada. He's got an expiring contract. He hasn't pitched, pitched you know, incredibly well or anything. But, you know, as a veteran arm, I, I could see somebody taking a gamble on him as well. The blisters reared their ugly head there and took away for him last night. So. Yep. All right, that brings us to uh, the end of our show here. Uh, We'll probably have plenty to talk about after the trade deadline with our Mm -hmm. Blue Jays and see what moves they do make. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can catch our podcast, and uh, you can also watch us on Whiteman TV Channel 6 on Friday night at 8 o'clock. Thank you for listening listening and watching Baseball Talk. Baseball Talk is brought to you by Joy for Sports, 435 Durham Street East in Walkerton, for all your sports needs. Thank you for watching Baseball Talk. Be sure to tune into the live show every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on 91.3 FM Blue Water Radio and watch the video replay every Friday night at 8 p.m. on Whiteman TV, Channel 6.
The preceding program was brought to you by Whiteman TV and Bruce Telecom.